Hey, if you're new to the School of Podcasting, want to let you know that uh, if somebody could hand me the format, could you? Yeah, it's right there. No, it's on the shelf right there. If you could hand me the format, uh, this is one of those shows that we're going to break the format. So hand that to me. Thank you. And now you might ask, Dave, why are you breaking your format? That's because today is my 600th episode of the School of Podcasting, and we're going to try something different But before we do that, let's take a little, a slight look, a quick look back, shall we? Let's start off today's podcast taking a quick peek at the history of the School of Podcasting. The first episode appeared on April 4th, 2005, when Dave Jackson had discovered podcasting and ring-a-ding-ding, it blew off his wig. He spent the first three years explaining to people that you didn't need an iPod to listen to or create a podcast, but that didn't stifle him as he was just dizzy with podcasting and felt it was the bee's knees. So he kept throwing out content even though people thought he was a little off the cob. He wore drawn to his fun and energetic style and it soon was like dropping eggs and coffee. I'm telling you, it was hotsy totsy. I'm telling you, you know, I'm not bumping gums here, people. The school of podcasting was the cat's meow. And the more podcasts he created, the more... Okay, that's enough of that. Seriously? All right, enough, enough. No, no trance music. I just want to answer. I, what I wanted to do was this is for you, the listener. Can we kill the trance music, please? Okay, thank you. Jeez. I thought I would do something different, and it's kind of weird in a way, hence the breaking the format, is this is for you, a person who regularly listens to my show, and to give you a chance to learn something about Dave that's not about podcasting. So I said, let's do episode 600 and where you can ask me anything except podcasting. So with that, let's get it started. The man, the myth, the legend, Dave Jackson. No, no, no. See, when I think legend, I think of these guys. They've been kicked off every major and minor market in radio. Now they've come to conquer podcasting. Keep your arms and hands inside the ride. It's time for the Binky and the Wiz Show. <laughs> That's right, man. We are back. I am the Binkster. And, and I, 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 I'm the Wiz. Yeah, man. We brought the whole crew. We brought Stud, Dude, Reason. Hello. And of course, my favorite lady. Miss Fatima. Binky, you so crazy. All right, fine, whatever, guys. I just, I'm trying to get to the the questions. People send in questions, and I was really honored that they sent them in. I always wonder when I do that if somebody's going to actually send something in. And Can you just hit play on that one? It's from Craig. Hey, Dave, it's Craig here from com. Congratulations, mate, on 600 episodes. Amazing. Don't let... 600 pass by without cracking open a bottle of champagne or two. <laughs> I like the way this guy thinks, man. Banky, seriously, just hit all play. Right, all right. Hit play. It's an amazing achievement, so well done. My question is, if you could go anywhere and time and money were not an issue, where in the world would you like to go? Now, you could tie that into podcasting because there's some pretty good conferences and stuff going on now in Europe. Um, the Australian podcasting scene is really blooming at the moment. You could tie that in with music. Would you like to go to Liverpool and visit the Beatles Museum? Anywhere in the world, Dave, where would you choose to go? All the best, mate, and congratulations on number 600. 
Thank you so much, Craig. In fact, that was such a good question. We got it twice. Hi, Dave. This is Kit Parks with the Active Travel Adventures podcast, where I curate multi-day adventure travel for fit folks who'd prefer to hike, bike, or paddle their way around on their vacations. My website is activetraveladventures.com. As a travel junkie, I would like to know if you were given an all-expense-paid vacation to anywhere in the world, where would you go and what kinds of things would you do? Thanks for all you do, Dave. Thank you. Uh, Obviously, Craig and Kit, great minds think alike. And this is tough because part of me wants to go, I think I would do something outside of the U.S. I know there's plenty of things to see here in the U.S. and I've never been, see, I'm not a fan of sitting in the sun and like just tanning. I can't do that. Number one, I just burn and peel. Uh, But like sitting and relaxing, it used to drive um, my ex-wife nuts because that's her idea of a vacation. My idea of a vacation is going somewhere and doing stuff. And so- it would probably be, and it's weird because it is kind of like a related to podcasting in a way, in the fact that most of us listen to podcasts based on recommendations from other people. And I've known a few people that have gone to, I know where I would go, man. Seriously. I, where, where are the most groupies at? There are no That's groupies would, in podcasting. What? There's oh, no, no. Forget it, man. Why, why do you even do this? Anyway, as I was saying, I think I would go to Scotland because I've had a few friends that have gone there. And they just say it's beyond beautiful. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Australia's got some really great looking stuff. And I'm not sure about like Japan, which would be just, to me, I got to go, and this sounds so stupid American. I want to go someplace that I can still kind of understand the language. So like France would be cool, but I think I'm going to go with Scotland, even though I'm probably not going to understand them either. Uh, But at least we can almost like do some English stuff there. So I think that's probably where I would go. That's a really tough question. It really is. Hey man, what's this button do? Don't be boring. Don't be boring. Don't be boring. Binky, you're so crazy. All right. never mind. Binky, stay away from the buttons. Wiz, you want to try reading the one from uh, Zach from RaisingRents.com? It it says if if you look at, if you, if you. Yeah, Binky, you want to take that one, buddy? Give me that, man. (laughs) Here it goes. If you look at regrets as things you didn't do but wished you had, what is your biggest regret to date and why? And then for like a follow-up, you can still consider doing it. And if not, uh, why? Oh, that is a good question. And when I was young, like 20, uh, and, and even in high school, I had people saying I should have moved to California and joined a band because at the time I was pretty good for my age. But I always knew that entertainment, being an entertainer, being a musician, that is really, you know, that is the needle in the haystack in terms of being successful at that. And I thought it was OK, but I didn't think I was that good. And uh, probably the other one I would have to say is my first marriage. Uh, it wasn't it was an OK marriage. But we had tried to have a baby, and to make a long story short, uh, we couldn't, um, and and that was primarily due to to my ex wife, uh, and and she did not handle that well, and we spent ourselves almost in, well we did we spent ourselves into bankruptcy through fertility treatments, and so to not lose the house, I took a different position at my job which led me to traveling all over the country. So right when my wife really needed me, I took a job that basically left her alone a lot of the time and she became an alcoholic cheater. And so uh, that was the end of that. And I look back now knowing so much about marriages and working through problems, uh, thanks to ex-wife number two. And uh, I always wonder in a way, 
had I said, because she actually asked me, do you want to go to counseling? And I was like, no, 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 there's nothing to counsel here. We're done. Because I was just crushed. And uh, I always wonder, had we gone to counseling and tried to work that out, how different my life would be. Now, in some ways, again, you would say it would be better because then I wouldn't have ex-wife number two. But if I didn't have ex-wife number two, I wouldn't have had uh, time with my stepkids. I would have never met, met Bernie the cat. So in a way, I don't I don't know that I have regrets. I always try to make the best with every kind of card I have. But that's probably one that in terms of like, if I ever go, hmm, I wonder what would have happened if I would have done that. Uh, that would be that one. <laughs> that's a funny story, man. That was great. Hi, Dave. My question is, how do I win playing slot machines? Thanks. Thank you, John. John is a member of the School of Podcasting and also has attended the uh, Northeast Ohio Podcasters Meetup. You can find that at neohiopodcasters.com. And of course, uh, I would just tell people to go to professorslots.com. It's a really cool podcast that teaches people how to win at slot machines. You, you, you can win at slot machines? Dude. Dude, I'm definitely listening to that show. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm all right. Vegas trip, baby. All right, easy there, Binky. Easy. If you could, you know who you would like, you could go to Vegas. I bet this guy would go with you. I think you guys would get along great. Howdy, Dave Jackson. It is Bobby from Save Save With with Me. Me. Live Nude Puppets. That's right. Live Nude Puppets. It's Live Nude Puppets. It's just fun saying Live Nude Puppets. Live Nude Puppets. Live Nude Puppets. They're back. Say it with me. Live Nude Puppets. I've been listening for a lot of years, and in your defense... Uh, I haven't followed any of the great advice that you've given. I've actually probably gone out of my way to do the opposite. <laughs> As I was thinking, hearing your voice in my head tell me not to do something in podcasting, and then I do it. Um, and I think my ratings are really a good um, reflection of that. And by the way, I could probably teach people just as much about podcasting as you can. Um, because Bobby, you learn more from a dummy than you do from a smart guy. <laughs> Shut up, Mom! I'm talking to Dave Jackson! I have one long-standing question. I have three questions, probably. First one is, your favorite Old Testament Bible historical figure? Uh, I'm going to go King David. Uh, he slays Goliath, ends up being a king, plus he's a musician, a very creative dude, and a little pervy with the whole, you know, that whole nine yards. Not not the greatest guy. Not perfect. Let's leave it at that. And according to my grandma, she used to say I was named after him. I don't know if that's entirely true. Oh, great. Now they're jumping Jesus down our throats. My second question is, do you or do you not believe that there's a species that exists or does not exist that we have nicknamed Bigfoot that lives in the wooded outlining areas. Um, You kind of live in the epicenter, (laughs) Kentucky, Ohio. So I was wondering if you personally believe that maybe Nephilim or just Bigfoot lives out in the woods. My God, woman, this is important. Bring it up to me with juice. Bobby, thanks to you, I actually watched a Netflix documentary on people that are out in the middle of Canada looking for Bigfoot, and uh, I think I've watched about 95% of that, and I can vehemently say after watching that movie, uh, no. My last question is, in the mail you received a handmade Paul Farrow exotic wood guitar pick. I'd like to know, note for note, 
is that guitar pick that I sent you that I handmade myself better than the pick you've been using for years. And that pick that I sent you is a forever pick. What do you think, Dave? Well, I would have to say... Ma! Oh, oh, not done yet. Where is my favorite cup? Okay. Thank you, Bobby. LiveNudePuppets.com. This is kind of like asking a golfer for his favorite wedge or putter or something like that. Um, The pick you sent me was very, very nice. I didn't know it was handmade. And but I am a guy, and if you ask anybody, I played in a country band for a while, and country pickers are insane. I mean, if you think rock players are great, there's some seriously talented people in country. And I switched to a. It's purple. I think it's made by Cortex or Tordex or something like that. It's a purple plastic pick that has. It, it's it, the the pointy end of this could take somebody's eye out. It's really. I mean, a seriously point-point kind of thing, not like a fender medium with a rounded end or kind of like the, the one you sent me. I, I mean, it has a pointed end. It's really, it's dangerous, and I usually have one in my front right-hand pocket. Uh, but uh, thank you for the pick. Very nice. And I may use it for some things, but if I'm playing lead, I want that purple pick that I use all the time. <laughs> I, got, I got a question, man. Was, was that a live like adult male drinking juice. Binky, seriously, can you just play the next clip? It's from Jason Bryant. Jason Bryant here from Matt Talk Online. And if I have one question to ask Dave Jackson that has nothing to do with podcasting, I know he's a music guy, so I'm just going to ask you this, and i got to set it up a different way. The worst concert I ever saw, or the biggest letdown, was my first show at the Hampton Coliseum when I saw R.E.M. And I'd been a big fan of their albums. I know that they were a diverse a band with different styles of music, all compilations. I mean, you go from shiny, happy people to what's the frequency, Kenneth. You, you kind of show off a, a various range of styles. But seeing them live, disappointment. So, Dave, I want to know your biggest disappointment of a band you had wanted to see, you were ready to see, you were a fan of, and they just stunk up the joint. Jason Bryant from MadTalkOnline.com. Thanks for everything you do, brother. Thank you, Mr. Bryant. Worst concert. Uh, this was right when Metallica first hit the scene, and I had come up with a list of people that I wanted to see just because of who they were in rock history, and I'm kind of a fan of the Ramones. I'm not a huge fan. I think they're funny. They have great songs like Beat on the Brat and Teenage Lobotomy and the KKK Took My Baby Away. They don't take themselves too seriously. Uh, most of their songs you can play, if you've never played the guitar, you could pick them up and play the Ramones. And uh, so I always liked them as kind of a just a, a novelty act, and they came to town Right after Metallica, um, Ride the Lightning, I think Master of Puppets had come out, and me and a friend of mine went to see them, and the Ramones are not really known for their ballads in the first place. Most of their stuff is pretty fast, and they decided to speed it up even more to try to compete with this new thrash metal thing, and half the fun of the Ramones is the lyrics, because they're funny, they're they're punk, you know, whatever, and uh, it was so fast that the... Uh, I think it was, I don't know, whatever, Jimmy Ramone or whatever, would run to the mic and go, one, two, three, four, and then they would start. There was no talking at a Ramone show. It was always just, one, two, three, four, and then they'd play a song. One, two, three, four, another song. And literally, they were destroying their own music to the point where they would get to the chorus, and you're like, oh, wait, I know, this is Teenage Lobotomy. Okay, great. And then, one, two, three, four. Wait, oh, this is Rock and Roll High School. Oh, I mean, they destroyed their own music. So I'm standing there going, you know, if I wasn't here with my buddy Mike, I would go home because this is horrendous. 
Mike was standing next to me going, you know, if I wasn't here with Dave, I would leave because this is horrendous. So finally, there was a, a little bit of a break in between. One, two, three, four. And my friend goes, what do you think? And I go, this is awful. And he goes, oh, my God, so do I. This is horrendous. And we actually, I've never left a concert before in my life. And uh, we left that one. I have seen many, many, many concerts. When I was a uh, 16-year-old lad, I had a car and a job and no bills. So if somebody came to town, I saw them. Probably one of the best concerts I've seen. 1980, I saw Queen. That was phenomenal. And just to hear 20,000 people sing along, I've never heard that until I went to a Metallica concert. I know that sounds weird, but Metallica people like to sing along too. Probably I had one. I went to a concert again with my buddy Mike. And uh, I didn't want to go. It was Genesis. And I was like, Phil Collins doesn't play heavy metal. And uh, it was interesting because I had very low expectations. And they did something on stage that I still don't know how they did it. But somehow with like laser lights, they made it look like it was actually raining on stage. It was amazing. And probably uh, above that, I've seen Ted Nugent 8 million times. My very first concert was in 1978. It was this thing called the Monsters of Rock. It had um, ACDC. Thin Lizzy, uh, Journey, who was touring on Wheel in the Sky, uh, Ted Nugent, who was the Motor City Madman, which was my dude growing up, and Aerosmith. Uh, Ted Nugent and Aerosmith were the uh, the headliners. And then at the very end, they added this new band from Germany as kind of the warm-up act, and that was um, a little band called The Scorpions. But I got to see uh, ACDC with Bon Scott, so that was kind of cool too. And the fun part of that was 1978. I think I'm 13. Yes, I'm 13 at that. I'm going up to my with my brother who's uh, old enough to drive, and somebody uh, did some really bad drugs and drowned in Lake Erie. And my, more, my poor mom is sitting at home going, my baby's up there. So that was fun. <laughs> Man, you want to see rock and roll, you go check out the Go-Go's. Seriously? Wow. Can, can you just hit the next... Just hit play right there on that button. Thank you. Hi, Dave. Lee from the Covert Nerd podcast at covertnerd.net. And my question for you is, in light of the new Xbox you got, what are some of the video games that you liked from the past? And as you say, back in the day, why do you like them? So let us know what your favorite video games were and why. And as always, Dave, I really appreciate the work you do and keep up the good work. Thank you, Lee. I would say... That well, Tecmo Bowl was definitely. I had a Nintendo, the early Nintendo, so I had a Tecmo Bowl. Actually, the original, we had a Pong, like that was it. We had an Atari Pong that actually did burn the uh, it burned the score into the screen. My dad was not happy about that, but then we had a Nintendo, and um, we eventually, I think, we had a ColecoVision. And I remember, um, so I played Tecmo, I think we went ColecoVision and then we went Nintendo, but one of those games had a skiing game. And my mom would come down and you know how your parents are just awful. That's like my role now. I have to be the old person that's horrible at video games when I play with my uh, my nieces and nephews. And my mom came down and was just horrible at it. And just she loved the fact that this person kept running into a tree and she'd laugh to the point where she's almost crying, hitting these trees. So what we did this one time and she would eventually get it and almost do OK. So what we did this one time is I uh, put the video game into a VCR and I made like the world's worst skiing. And I just had her guy go like into another tree and another tree and another tree and another tree. And then when it was her turn to play, I switched and I said, all right, 
hit the button to hit, you know, to go. And she goes, okay. And I hit play on the VCR. So instead of actually watching the video game, we we're watching the videotape, which I had made of the world's worst ski run. And she just laughed because she, she's like, I don't know. I can't control it. And she's just laughing because it was horribly bad. That's one of my favorite memories uh, that we had actually tricked my mom into doing that. Um, so that was it. We, we played, actually, we used to have Tecmo Bowl tournaments where I remember all my friends brought their TVs over, which was not as easy to do back in the 80s. And uh, we had like five or six tournaments going on, and uh, it was a lot of fun. But those are the biggies. And uh, Paperboy was another one, I think, because when I was growing up, I was a Paperboy. We didn't really have that many games. I can't remember all of them, to be honest with you. Those are the ones that stick out, so those must have been the ones I uh, I played with. I'd have to um, – I think I have that in my sister's basement somewhere, so I'd have to dig it out. But I just remember Tecmo Bowl and Paperboy, we played a lot. Me and my ex, my ex-wife, number one, played a lot of Paperboy. And uh, those were it. Thanks for the question, buddy. Hi, Dave. This is Chris Hache from the Noshing Nova Scotians podcast, which you can find over at chrishache.com. First off, I wanted to congratulate you on reaching such an incredible milestone, 600 episodes, all of them valuable, helpful, and entertaining. Thanks, buddy. In terms of the Ask Me Anything segment for this show, I like the question that comes from the Tim Ferriss Show podcast. And that question is, if you could put a billboard anywhere in the world... Where would you put it? And B, what would it say? Once again, congratulations, and I wish you much continued success. That is a tough question. Part of me wants to go, I would put a, a billboard in Korea, in North Korea, that says, honestly, we, you know, most of us, <laughs> please, please excuse our president, he's crazy. Um, I think if I was smart, a part of me wants to go to, what, what is that one, Westboro, Baptist Church, you know, the people that hate that that picket uh, soldiers' funerals and things like that. I'd like to put a big billboard in front of their church that says, uh, Jesus said, love one another. <laughs> um, if I was smart, I would find the world's biggest, like, broadcasting school and stick a big school of podcasting uh, billboard in front of their school. That would be the smart thing to do. I would put a big, uh, like, go to the billboard, like, right in front of the radio station, the last place we are at that we got fired, man. Just have a big billboard that says, F- you, man. Dude. Yeah, dude is right. You can't say that here, man. What, man? I can't say F- here? No. What about sh-? No. Oh, man, podcasting so- just hit play. Yeah, what are you? Good morning, Dave Jackson. Scott Johnson here from the Computer Tutor Podcast, where every Monday morning I show you how to do something cool with your computer, and that's at computertutorflorida.com. I want to hear about the time you were almost killed. I've been listening to the School of Podcasting for over five years now, and every once in a while you'll say something like, yeah, there was this time I almost died, but I've told that story before, so I'm not going to tell that again now. But I've never actually heard the original story. You know, I want to say it had something to do with a carjacking or something. I may be completely making that up. I don't remember. Whatever it was that happened, I'd like to hear the details of it and what you took away from that experience. So thanks, Dave. And I'll see you in February at PodFest. Scott, you are not the only person wondering that. Here's Ron. Hey, Dave, this is Ron. What do you mean you've been shot? I mean, you were shot point blank? I read this on a Facebook um from Nick uh, when you were, you know, when Nick was looking for people for his uh, show. And you put down that you were shot point blank and lived. So I, I have to ask you, when, how did this happen? Thank you, Ron and Scott. Uh, Wendy, March 9th, uh, 26th, March 26th, I believe it was 1990. 
because it was a year after my mom had died. Because we're all like, man, we almost lost somebody else. But I was dating a girl who would turn into my first wife, and she lived in the hood. This is like, you know, a housing development. And um, so I, I would drop her off. And for the most part, it was not a bad neighborhood, but there were people, uh, it was not a great part of town, and people would cut through this allotment. And so it's cold out, it's Ohio, and I'm dropping her off, and there's a man standing right in fr- on the, basically on the driver's side um, front panel, right, basically right in front of my tire. And uh, so I basically pulled into a parking spot, he's standing in the parking spot next to to where I pulled in. And he says, yo, man, you ought to get out of the car. And I said, no, man, I'm good. I'm thinking he's going to sell me a watch. Don't know. I guess I've watched a lot of Beretta at the time. (laughs) I don't know. And uh, I said, no, man, I'm good. Thanks so much. You know, howdy ho, neighbor. You know, and uh, and he said, no, man, I really think you should get out of the car. And I looked at her and I said, "Uh, I'm not getting out of the car. Neither are you. We're going for a ride. And so... He is now, remember, he's standing right next to my driver's side tire. I back up because it's a case where I have to back up and then pull out. So I'm doing kind of like a T. So I back up to where he is now looking directly at my car. Uh, do you understand what's going on? And um, I hear this loud. I swear t- I thought he hit my car with a brick. I heard this loud like whack. And I thought I heard glass shatter. And I am... Like I'm getting out of Dodge now. I'm running stop signs. I am running red lights. I am getting out of this neighborhood. I'm gone. And my girlfriend, uh, future wife, is crying profusely and saying, he shot at us. He shot at us. And I'm like, come on. We live in Akron, Ohio. Nobody has guns. What are you talking about? And at the time where I met her, I worked at a local uh like drive-in restaurant. I was actually a car hop and there were always cops there because there were no donut shops in the area. And, um, so sure enough, we go back to, cause that, that was also right where I lived. And so we pull in there and then sure enough, there's a cop and I, I drive up right next to him and I roll down my window and, and motion to him to him to roll down his window. Cause again, it's March, it's cold. And I said, can you look at my back fender? I said, I think, um, we just had this guy who wanted me to, to, you know, get out of the car. And I said, I think he hit my car with a brick or something. And uh, the cop looks at me and goes, can you roll your window back up again? So I do. And he's kind of looking at it and looking to the right and kind of pointing his fingers. Oh, okay. And he motions for me to roll down my window again. And I said, yeah, is it, is there a dent? What's going on? He goes, no, no, no. He goes, um, it looks like he shot at you. And it bounced off the window and went into the door. He goes, if you roll your window back up again, he goes, you'll see there's a black mark on your window. And so I turned gray, started sweating profusely and thought it was going to pass out. I roll up the window because this black mark that he's talking about is right in my head, somewhere in the head, neck region. uh, This would have gone through and I get out of my car and I look and there's a bullet hole in my door. And I'm like, Okay. And so at the time I was in college and I was taking physics. I had this awesome physics teacher who uh, 
Ken something. He had a southern accent. from Kentucky. And he'd come in and go, hey, did anybody watch MacGyver last night? Let me explain to you why you can't do welding with a bicycle seat. And he'd go into the whole – was, he was an awesome instructor. And so I walked in. I said, all right, I got something for you. And he's like, all right. And I'm like, here's the deal. The guy's standing from you know maybe seven feet away from me, if that. He shoots at me bounces off the window and goes into the door. So what's the physics of this? Like, what's the hardness of a window and the velocity of a bullet? And I'm, I'm waiting for him to, like, explain this scientifically. And he just looked at me and said, oh, that's easy. And I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah, somebody locks you upstairs. So that's that's the story. And what how it affected me, um, number one, I could not identify the person. It was March. This person had a parka on. And so this is kind of like, if you've ever watched uh, South Park, you know how Kenny, you can only see part of his face. All I could see were this guy's teeth. And uh, then I found out that there was a thing in Akron called the nine millimeter posse, which is a bunch of kids in junior high. So I got a whole big uh, uh, education on this. And, you know, I said, look, I would, if I could point him out, I would. And it was just really weird. It was um, like, I would call again, this is before the days of, of cell phones. And I would call my girlfriend and say, I'm leaving you know, be looking out the window and I would slow down just enough for her to get in and we would get out of there. I would, it took me a long time to get nervous or to get uh, uh, comfortable in that neighborhood again. And the thing that was really sad about it is I was very much appreciative of breathing for about a week and a half where I was like, wow, thank you God for letting me live because I should be dead. And everything you know, all the colors were a little brighter. Everything was, uh, you know, you just appreciated being alive. And it also, to a certain extent, made me a workaholic because I realized that you can go anytime you want. So um, that was it. But eventually that feeling of of just appreciating life, it's not as intense as it was. I still do to a certain extent. Uh, but that is the story of, uh, I didn't get shot. I got shot at, and, uh, thankfully I've actually been shot at twice. Uh, just to, I'll take, uh, uh, shot at for, for two, Alex, please. When, uh, the, uh, the blizzard of 1977, I was, uh, 77, I was seven years old. No, that would make me born in 70. I was not very old, 65. Uh, I was 12. Um, and you could not drive anywhere. There was like massive amounts of snow. So, uh, we were out of food. So my mom and my brother and me walked to the grocery store and you had to walk through this big giant field, which is now condominiums. But at the time was a great place to ride your mini bike. And, uh, I cut through that every day. It was just nothing, just a big giant field with trees and things like that. And different trails, a little bit of woods. We called it Hillbish woods. And, um, we're, we're walking along. My brother has his, uh, high school jacket on and our colors were orange and white. So he's got a bright orange jacket on and all of a sudden we hear this and I'm like, what's with the mosquitoes? It's like, you know, minus 10 degrees outside and here somebody was shooting at us and me being 12 years old, I'm like, cool, let's make a break for it. And my mom's like, shut up. And we all just hunched over and walked slowly and kind of got towards the trees. So um, yeah, not a lot of fun getting shot at, but that's my getting shot at stories. Uh, hopefully that's the last of them forever. Hey, Dave, this is Jonathan Bloom of Weekly Awesome. As a kid, I used to like calling up my parents' business and leaving voicemail messages as the system would let me hear my message back. This was one of the indicators to me that podcasting was in my future. Were there moments in your childhood that you recorded yourself on? Would that be vinyl, A-track, or cassette? 
that helped drive your enthusiasm for podcasting later on? This is not about podcasting, but more about your childhood experiences. Thank you so much. Actually, I can play you one. This is me and my grandma, Audrey. At the age of six, we'd play W-H-O-M-E. That was our radio station, and we did this on a cassette. And we're broadcasting this afternoon, and David has granted us an interview. How old are you this year, David? Six. What are the subjects that you like to study best? I want to study. Well, what subjects do you like? What lessons do you like best? Recess. Recess is your favorite subject? That's a good one. So, yes, recess was my favorite subject. I think growing up, I liked to make my mom laugh. I... I it was just something I did. My dad was a long distance truck driver. We thought, always thought she had somewhat of a uh, short on the stick. And so I love to make her laugh. And I remember uh, I was in sixth grade. I was at church and we had to write some sort of poem or something like that. And I remember the poem started off with, I read my, my, I read my Bible in the bathroom and I say my prayers at night. And it was yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Jesus is the holy light. And we put it on the bulletin board outside of our class. This is in sixth grade. And people walked by and thought that was hilarious that I said, I read my Bible in the bathroom because I did. And uh, that the fact that everybody laughed just because I, I shared just something that was maybe a little bit uh, outside of the lines of normal, I went, hmm. So I really got into writing. And so to me, I think podcasting is just a way of, it, it, it scratches all my itches. It's... It educates, it entertains if I can, and um, I can help people. So that's uh, that's kind of why I get into it. And I, yeah, so I, I think um, I think that was something in the in the early stages. I think everybody sang into a, a hairbrush, uh, thought about being on the radio. You know, well, when I was in a, um, I worked in a grocery store. And I would get on the microphone and it'd be like, you know, um, Jeff, we need carts, please. Jeff, we need carts, please. And they'd be like, you should be a DJ. And they would call me Jammin' Dave. Uh, That's one of my nicknames from many, many, many moons ago. And then when I was a waiter, we already had like 27 Davids working there. So they shortened that to JD. So I can tell where I know you from by the nickname you give me. So if somebody calls me uh, JD, I either worked with you in a grocery store or in a restaurant. Um, I, if you call me Vedward because I played guitar in high school, they would call me Vedward. And that, that comes from my brother. If we go back even further, um, instead of calling me Dave, if you look at David as a two word, um, consonants, uh, there's Dave and then there's Ved. So my brother called me Ved for whatever reason. He doesn't do it anymore. Um, but that then turned into Vedward Van Jackson. Don't ask me why. So those are some of my nicknames and, uh, go ahead, Binky. I know you want to hit it. <laughs> Don't be boring. <laughs> hey Dave, this is Brad from the Cinema Guys. We can be found at wearethecinemaguys.com. Our show, we do a segment called Top This, and it's a top or bottom list of you know various, you know, favorite actors' movies or favorite genre or anything like that. So with that, I want to ask you a top this question. What are Dave's top three movies that you enjoy and on the flip side you can answer what are your bottom movies and as always thank you dave for what you do and i really look forward to seeing what you have for us in 2018 thank you sir this is a tough one 
And it's kind of weird because one of my favorite actors is John Cusack, and yet none of his movies are in my top. And this has to do, I think, a lot with the memories of where I watch these movies. And I was in my 20s at the time. Uh, There was a girl I worked with who really was my best friend at the time. And uh, most of my um, high school friends had either moved away or whatever. We just kind of you kind of lost that nucleus. And so she and I were awesome. And I would go over and her mom, this is right after my mom had passed away. And her mom kind of was like my new mom. It was really cool. So I spent a lot of time at her house and her, her sister and her brothers and stuff like that. It was really cool. Kind of a second family. And we watched Caddyshack, you know, the, 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 the Caddyshack, the Gungalunga, you know, I will receive total consciousness on my death. But yeah, Caddyshack, uh, Stripes. Uh, so we have a Bill Murray thing going on here. Um, and then this is the toughie. Dead Poet Society, I like it because it inspires me to think outside the box. But there are times when that movie gets a little slow. And I just, I love Robin Williams. I was so hurt when he... uh when he died, um, it would either be dead or we could go again with Bill Murray, um, Groundhog Day. Those two, I cannot, mm, I, I might actually go Groundhog Day, which just makes me look like a giant Bill Murray fan. And some of his movies are really awful, uh, much like John Cusack. I don't think he reads the scripts anymore. Um, and that's probably where I would go for my bottom three. Uh, John Q, I loved his early stuff, like uh, the one where he's holding the boombox in the rain and all the stuff in the 80s where sure is horrible when you see it when times like this, when they throw away a perfectly good white boy, uh, whatever movie that was. But um, it's it's weird because if it's a really bad movie, I kind of wipe the slate. I can't come up with a bottom. I'd have to go look at my Netflix and see what it, probably the Bigfoot movie is in there. That was that was a waste of an hour and a half. Uh but I most of bad stuff I just it, I it, I just wipe it. There's no reason to remember that. In fact, I probably don't want to remember that. You know, but thank you so I, much for the question. I, I, I like uh I like babysitter porn, man. Binky, That's my favorite. No, oh my! What? Would you just shut up? Read the next letter. Read it. Right. Come on. Here's one. Uh, this is from Mark, man. He says, "Hey, I produce a daily Star Wars toy podcast, and wondered if you collect anything Star Wars. So, are you like a Star Wars freak like this guy, Binky? He's not a freak." It's Mark from the Talk Star Wars Toy Box Daily Show, and uh, you can find that at uh, talkstarwars.co.uk. And I'm probably I saw the first trilogy. I remember the very first Star Wars. I probably saw that like I was 15. My friends and I just kept going, and my cousins and my sisters, and we just kept going that movie over and over and over because the very first one, believe it or not, because you look at it now and you're like, really? The special effects were pretty cool. In the original one, I have somewhat lost my taste for Star Wars movies after the first three, uh, and I don't have a single Star Wars memorabilia. Oh, man, are you kidding me? I have a Princess Leia costume. I bet you look pretty good in that, too. No, man, not for me. Yeah, sure. That way, if I get a, you know, if I get a honey back to my place, I just, hey, let's play a little Star Wars. Oh, here we go See again. If go for it. Oh, jeez. All right. Can you just play the next one? This one's from Wynn. Hi, Dave. I want to know, where did you acquire Bunny the cat? <laughs> hey, man, is that the cat you whacked? <laughs> Binky, you're so crazy! We'll talk about that in a second. Just hit play. Because everyone has such a fascination with him, I want to know where you got him originally. Thank you, Wynn. She's from uh, Wynn's Butterflies of Wisdom. 
and I'll have links to everybody's show out at uh, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 600. And so we'll start with the beginning. Uh, Bernie, when I originally got married to my second wife, it was quite the zoo. We had a 110-pound German Shepherd. We had some sort of bizarre-looking greyhound thing, and then you had my little Shih Tzu that weighed about nine pounds. And we had two cats, uh, Bernie and Bailey. And um, Bernie and Bailey basically lived in the basement. I never saw the cats, rarely saw them, and thought they were kind of mean. And Bernard especially did not like Bailey because he kept eating the food. And so for whatever reason, we eventually gave Bailey to Grandma, who then literally fed the cat to death. Like, I thought he was just going to, like, explode. And so when it came time to get divorced, uh, my ex-wife was, at the time, Bernie was mm, 16-ish, something like that, 15, 16. And because he was old, she was just going to have him put to sleep because my uh, stepson, who was the original owner of Bernie was going off to college uh, to Purdue. And he's like, look, I don't really want the responsibility of a cat. My ex-wife said she didn't want a cat. And so she's like, we'll just have him put down. I'm like, no, you can't just kill the cat because it turned out that if you pet the cat, I was like one of the few people that when I saw the cat, I would pet him. And Bernie actually appreciated that. And so every time I would come home, my dog uh, Dudley would come up to me and then Bernie eventually would come up because I petted the cat. So Bernie really liked me because, oddly enough, I would pet the cat. And so I said, no, no, I'll take the cat. And I'm not really a cat person. And uh, Bernie has been awesome. And uh, unfortunately, uh, over the past probably three months, Bernie and the litter box routine got really, really lax. And for about the past month and a half, I've had a blue tarp over my entire living room carpet because it's just me and the cat. And to make a long story short, uh, took him to the vet last week. He had a tumor and basically just took a really bad turn for the worse. And unfortunately, on uh, Saturday, January 6th, uh, Bernie went to the big litter box in the sky with an endless supply of catnip or whatever else is available uh, for kitties. So um, he had a great life. And uh, I'm sad, but uh, you know, feel free to sing the circle of life at this point or whatever it is. But uh, I, and much like Tupac Shakur, we have plenty of Bernie and <laughs> Bernie the Cat Show in the can. So he'll he'll probably be more productive in death than he was in life. But that's and I actually asked. So what was interesting is I had my ex wife and my stepson. I still call him my stepson because I always say I divorced your mom, not you. Um, and I said if you want to see Bernie one last time. You better make it to Akron. So they came down Friday night. We went and had pizza at Luigi's, and they came over to my apartment, and we all sat around and looked at Bernie and went, wow, he looks really pathetic, because uh, he did, and uh, shared a lot of stories, had a really good time. And, uh, you know, so that was kind of nice. Uh, and, um, you know, it is what it is, but thanks for asking. And for anyone who is going to be participating in the Dave Jackson Roast at PodFest in February 8th in Orlando. Check it out, podfest.us. Uh, feel free to keep any Bernie jokes in the uh, in the routine. I'm perfectly fine with it. Uh, it's not a big deal. You still whacked your cat, man. Well, it, that's an interesting story. If you've never done it, it's I've done this three times now, to the German Shepherd, to my Shih Tzu, now to Bernie. And what they do with a cat is they shave part of his leg so they can get quick access to a vein. And it's, if you've never done this, it's really odd and yet fascinating to watch in a scientific kind of way. If you can kind of take your heart out of it in the fact that you just literally watch someone evaporate. 
And so the the doc told me, he goes, probably about the half time I get this, you know, this whole syringe pushed in, he goes, probably about halfway through, he's going to go. And it's weird because you just, you see him there and he was, you know, I was petting him and he was kind of purring. And because uh, there's a bunch of people holding him down, even though you don't need to. And uh, all of a sudden, you, I could just tell he was gone. It was really interesting in that way. So um, if you ever get, it's always sad, obviously, but from a science standpoint, it's just kind of weird that he was there and then he wasn't. Well, my, 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 condole, my, 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 I'm sorry your cat's dead. Man, when are we going to talk about when you lost your virginity? Well, what was that, man? Oh, that's Bernie's ghost. What? Yeah. I am out of here. He was here last night. Let's beat it, guys. Man, that dude is annoying. Thanks, Bernie. Our uh, last question comes from Darren from DonkeyTales.com. He says, Dave, I would love to know your favorite high school sports story about you. Um, Scored 20 points against a rival, got the, the bell rung, any kind of sports play. If you didn't play sports, your favorite high school story. My favorite high school story was I um, I was kind of a weird kid in high school. I'm kind of a weird kid now, I guess. Um, I wasn't smart enough uh, to to be a nerd. I didn't uh, drink or smoke, so I wasn't a burnout. But I listened to hard rock, so that was kind of weird. And I was... Definitely not a, a sports guy, but I hung out. Most of my friends were on the football team or things like that. So I didn't really fit in kind of anywhere. And uh, I did win a second prize in ping pong for uh, Ellet High School. But uh, my favorite one was I was a uh, junior in uh, high school. And there were these talent shows. And um, my band, I, we put together a band, a bunch of us. And the one guy, the bass player... Henry uh, knew a guy who had a sound system, like a professional sound system, like one, the speakers were six feet tall. He had a a big woofer, a mid and a a top thing, two sides. And uh, if you've ever seen the pictures of me in spandex um, and, and the top, uh, this is, you know, and the, the checkered shoes, it's 1982 kids. And uh, so we, uh, we did this. The fun part was um, wireless microphones were brand new and especially wireless guitar systems. So being that I had a, a, a at that point, I was working in a grocery store and I uh, I took some of my money, even though it was expensive, and rented a wireless. And what I was going to do was come in from the back of the auditorium and uh, run down the, the aisle and knee slide a la Eddie Van Halen or, or, you know, Pete Townsend through the orchestra pit, uh, run up on stage and play the Ellet high school alma mater via Jimi Hendrix playing the uh, star spangled banner. We do the dress rehearsal. Everything is fine. Well, I have a, uh, I'm not going to get too technical here, but there was basically my guitar ran through a bunch of equipment before it got to the actual amplifier. And one of those was not battery powered. It was electric. And in the event the power wasn't on, none of my guitar would make it to the amplifier. And so they introduced the band Simplex 3, by the way, uh, because of the time Herpes Simplex 2 had just come out. So, you know, we're rock and roll. If you're if it's too old, you're too loud or however that goes. And uh, I'm ready to run in, except I got nothing out of my guitar. Now, my best friend, Scott, is in the balcony and he can see on the stage that the orange light is not on the the little unit. So he's screaming 
out of the balcony. Turn your flanger on. Turn, well, I'm not going to go turn the flanger on because I want the big surprise attack. Meanwhile, the people in the back of the auditorium are like, what? Who's with the spandex dude standing next to the door? Because they hear me come in through the back door. And so luckily, my best friend being my best friend uh, runs down and just jumps up, uh, not on the stage, but basically puts his hand up on the stage and, and turns the lights on. As soon as it does, my guitar comes on because I'm back there strumming it like, what's the deal? So I go running down and I do my knee slide through the orchestra pit. Perfect, by the way. And I remember my favorite thing was there was a guy named Randy Summers. Yeah, Randy, I'm talking about you, who was kind of a, a big super smart, nerdy guy, and just always kind of made me feel like crap. And I remember taking my guitar and literally sticking it like three inches from his nose. Like, yeah, take this, Randy, take it and like it, buddy. And um, I'm just going to town and I run up on stage and I'm doing my thing. And the other fun thing about this is it's like blowing people's hair dry. It's so loud. It's really cool. And I've got my, I'm, you know, rocking the spandex and everything. And um, when the thing is done the band behind me, I go into, so I go from playing this thing. And then I, I start again with a song that starts with me, which is for those about to rock by ACDC. And as the old saying goes, the crowd goes wild. Now, what makes this really cool is the next year it's the senior talent show. And I've got a different band, same bass player, and they're getting ready to do the thing. And the, uh, the principal is there on, uh, like dress rehearsal day. And he goes, yeah, I came down to check the volume because we don't want to have another incident like Mr. Jackson's band. And I was like, yes, Mr. Jackson's band. I love the fact that I, that he remembered the band, the whole nine yards. And what was fun about this one is uh, Scott, the guy that was, you know, Mr. Turn Your Flanger on was now my singer and really my best friend through most of my life, still really kind of consider him my best friend. And um, the, the beautiful part of this was we were doing Ain't Talking About Love by Van Halen. And uh, we're, everything's going fine. And I'm again, I'm doing my Angus Young and we're running around and jumping around and being crazy. And I get by the bass player and my buddy Henry goes, hey, Woods, meaning Principal Woods, wants us to cut a song. He wants these other guys, the, the popular football guys, to play. And I looked at him and said, uh-uh, this is our moment. We practiced. You can't just change the talent show because it was timed. It'd be like changing something on Saturday Night Live. And so um, I, we're rocking and roll. And I look over and I see where the principal is literally going to close the curtain on us mid-song. And I went over and I stood uh, on stage while I'm looking at it. If I'm stage, it, for you, would be stage left. And I put it so that the curtain would have to go over my back. Like I stood right in line of where the curtain was and I shook my head. I looked right at him and I shook my head. No, like, no, you can't do this. And the problem was I uh, then had to go sing a backup vocal. So I run out to the front of the stage and I sing my little backup vocal, la, la, la. And I turn around and I got nothing but curtain behind me. And then I hear the drum stop. I hear the bass stop and I have a wireless guitar system again and the principal can't figure out how to turn off my amp. Now, the bad news is it's me facing about 400 students with no band behind me playing um, Wasted, I believe, by Def Leppard. And, uh, but I have no band. So I just kind of tried to come up with an ending. 
And the fun part is I'm now trying to get off the stage, except I have this big, huge, super thick velvet curtain behind me. And I turn around and I'm trying to do this without being embarrassed. Meanwhile, as I'm looking for the break in the curtain, the crowd starts to chant BS, except they were not abbreviating. And they were kind of clapping together, BS, BS. And I finally find the break in the curtain and I pull it up and I scream, what the f*** is going on? And I'm like nose to nose with Principal Woods. Oh, that's not one of our top answers. Like I just asked Principal Woods, what the F is going on? And uh, he goes, everybody in my office now. Now, the fun part about playing Ain't Talking About Love was there's a part in that song where uh, the lyrics are, if you want it, got to plead for it, baby. And my uh, best friend, Scott, who was holding a Shure SM58, you know, the black microphone with a silver ball on the end, um, held it in a certain region of his body as he was singing this. He would say, bleed for it, baby, and then hold the mic in a certain area uh, with, uh, as Mr. Woods uh, described it, gyrations with the microphone. So there there we are. I'm again in spandex. We've got our our bandanas tied around our knees and things like that. And my favorite part of this was he goes in and my mom is in again. My mom is there front row. And she's like, "Uh, what's going on? I go, I think I'm getting suspended. And she's like, "Okay, you guys sounded great. And I'm like, thanks, mom. And so there we are in the principal's office. And he's like, you guys were insubordinate. We had an entire cafeteria that was ready to go to work and all this other stuff. We had people, there was, you know, blah, blah, blah. We told you to get off the stage and you did not. And the bass player looks at him and goes, all you had to do was ring the bell. And those people that wanted to go to lunch could go to lunch. And the people that wanted to stay for the other song could stay for the end of the song. And Mr. Wood said, yeah, that's what he said. And then he went, it's still insubordination. Then my bass player goes, dude, he goes, that's a $2,000 bass rig. If there's anything wrong with you, I'm suing you. I'm suing Akron Public Schools and blah, blah, blah. And then uh, he was talking about something about gyrations into the microphone, blah, blah, blah. But we ended up not having anything wrong with us. But I love the fact that first year I was Mr. Jackson's band that caused an issue. And then the second one was almost getting suspended. And I hope I can find the uh, recording of that. <laughs> You suck. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed. I uh, It's on a cassette somewhere. I've just went through a ton of cassettes. And my first impression was, of course, how did we ever think that was good audio quality? Hoofa. And uh, that's the only recording I have. I really thought I'd already digitized it. And I've had my computers searching since last Monday for anything named Talent Show, Simplex 3, it's just vanished, and um, I've got a couple of different talent shows I've recorded. I thought I'd play one of them, and uh, so next, next, uh, I guess we'll do that on show 700, but uh, that's going to do it for this episode of 600. i got some really cool things coming in the future. I've got a resource that's going to help you find guests, if that's something that you want to do. I've got a resource that's going to help you be found if you're looking to be a guest, I've got some really cool, like really cool because of my podcast stories coming up, including Alice Cooper. How cool is that? And I'm going to talk about how I tried something. And because I tried it, it almost didn't work. But in the process of 
developing something for my podcast, I got feedback from my audience that's going to allow me to create something for them that they're just going to go gaga over. So that's coming up. But I, if I hadn't tried something in the first place, I wouldn't have gotten that feedback. And this feedback, I think, is going to just go gangbusters. And I'm going to end up with a product that people are just going to love in 2018, as well as anything you would like to talk about. I'm actually going to be working on, I'm going to reach out to some folks on podcast support. And I know I've already talked with Mike Dell a little bit about this and uh, maybe Mark from podcastwebsites.com. We might do an episode on behind the scenes of podcast support and ways that we can work together, meaning me and you, so that A, you never have a problem, and B, when you do, it gets solved super duper quick. Might be doing that in the future, but thank you so much to listening to episode number 600. Like I said at the very beginning, this was not about podcasting. And if you tuned in listening for podcasting and going, wow, this guy is weird and he stinks, feel free to listen to any of the other 599 episodes, except 400 and 300 and 200 and 100, uh, although I think 100 and 200 were normal. And um, I will see you next week with another episode of the School of Podcasting.com. Until then, class is dismissed. Take care and God bless. People were drawn to his fun and entertainment style. Dude, he's not a freak. All right. It's Mark. You can find it's, it's talk Star Wars. Uh, easy for me to say. He goes, all you had to do was ring the bell. Or no, he goes, uh, that, the, oh, dang it. I screwed up the story. I'm going to talk about something that I tried that almost blew up in my face. And in the process is leading me to something that I really think is going to benefit those who wanted, which, okay, that's a dumb thing to say. This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Changing the world, one download at a time.